For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Good evening, everyone. And I'm thrilled to be here. I say that every week, but I really do mean it. It's a labor of love. And tonight is no exception. So I'm going to get right into it and introduce. Um, So tucked into San Diego's rolling hills, Archie's Acres, is a stark departure from the warm Marine Sergeant Colin Archer play left behind. Rather than hunt down insurgents, he now grows oversized basil and specialty crops on six acres for local markets. The work is hard. But for Sergeant Archipay, it feels like a respite for the six years he spent training and fighting in Iraq. In need of a second act, Colin and his wife Karen pooled their resources to open the farm in 2007. Their mission is twofold. They hope to operate a successful, small-scale organic farm and help soldiers make the transition from fighters to champions of sustainable agriculture and financial independence. And I'm joined tonight by Karen. Thank you. You're welcome. And with that, I wanted to give a little bit of background to the listeners. And I'm sure um, I'd like to fill it in from there. You're more than welcome. I'd love to hear the rest because it's such a rich story. Well, thank you so much. Um, We actually moved to our farm in 2005 when Colin was still in Iraq. Uh, He was on his third deployment, and it's because of our first water bill that we became a hydro-organic farm. (laughs) And that was the long arm of Colin from Iraq, watching what was happening here. Because we live in San Diego, which is the end of the hose when it comes to water. Mm -hmm. So we have one of the most expensive water in the world behind Israel. Wow, that's incredible. And all the way over in Iraq, he was thinking about the water bill, which is interesting. I know you sent me, or I, I know how the number for the water bill was astronomical. It was almost close to $1,000, was it not? It was, and we actually had an ag discount that brought it down to about 850 um, but we were expecting it to be $50. <laughs> well, <and laughs> so it was a shock. From what I understand, Colin, when he got that message from me, wasn't sure what the time period of that you know, amount was, and was questioning that. Is that correct? That, that is correct. He, he thought I had paid the water bill for the year. And when I explained that it had been the first month, it was, it was when he went into action on how we were going to be able to keep our farm. Oh. And we became a hydro-organic farm because of that. Wow. Colin, what, what was that like being so far away? I mean, you're serving and protecting and... You know, you're a leader. You're leading a squadron of men, and 
what did that feel like to get that bill and, you know, to really want to protect and honor your farm and your wife and your family? Well, I think, uh, you know, seeing the bill, we knew that was obviously an issue. I think my <clears throat> primary concern at the time was just what's directly in front of you, which, you know, over in Iraq is whatever your responsibilities are. But uh, the upside of the challenges back at home is, it uh, it gave you something to dream about. You know, these are challenges about, you know, coming home and, and starting a farm enterprise. Um, uh, again, there was challenges in front of us, but it also, you know, was, was a cool dream. And working on those projects allowed you to escape, to escape the desert for, you know, a few minutes at a time. Which is nice, right? Which is welcome. Because as I understand when you, your plans when you, um, you know, retired from the Marines, you were thinking something different, were you not? Was was it you were thinking maybe you'd go into real estate and and do that for a yep. while? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, my my wife Karen was was already in the real estate business, and uh, when when both her and I uh, kind of went through that route to, together to get licensed license and and go through that process, but because I was still in the military, she had started that uh, as a business. And my, my goal was to transition out of the, the Marine Corps into, into real estate in some capacity. But um, I realized pretty quick that, um, you know, real estate was not, uh, you know, wasn't a career fit for me. And mm-hmm. um, working with the avocado trees that we had in the property was really enjoyable. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I joined the, uh, the Marine Corps, the military, is because I like being outdoors. That's why I asked to be in the infantry to, you know, do that kind of activity and that's something that uh, agriculture provides you know it's hands-on it's, it's uh, uh very physical as well as mentally challenging and and uh but provides a lot of freedoms at the same time mm-hmm. so that's quite you know a transition from an active duty marine you're a sergeant to farming do you and you had that vision you said and i understand that in the desert that's really welcome it's probably really quite pleasant you really have um any understanding in depth of what you're getting us no not at all um uh, I mean, we With started researching and, and, and reading books um doing that sort of thing but uh um you know it was baptism by fire we uh you know we just started growing stuff you know i mean uh, the, the property we had acquired had a few hundred avocado trees on it which most of the properties in this area do uh, and this is avocado capital of the world, or one of them. So, you know, people just have avocado trees here. Um, and so, when we bought the property, you know, that the intent wasn't necessarily we're going to do farming as a, as a full time business. Um, it was close to Camp Pendleton, where I was stationed at the time. Uh, it was an awesome property. The avocado trees provided a, a really cool uh, landscaping and environment. They, you know, obviously generated some revenue, but uh, you know, it was a really beautiful area. So that was. Um, you know, the original idea of moving here was, hey, this was a really cool area to be, but working with the avocado mm-hmm. trees, uh, you know, again, it was uh, a, a labor of love, so to speak, and we really enjoyed it. And then uh, people don't think as farmers, uh, as businessmen, but um, farming is probably one of the more difficult types of business. Because not only do you have to worry about uh, the day-to-day stuff that all businesses have to worry about, cash flow, profitability, are you reaching your customer base, cost of customer acquisition, all those other things. But then you have to worry about uh, changing weather patterns, droughts, uh, mm-hmm. climate change, 
uh, labor laws, uh, you know, um, immigration laws, uh, healthcare laws, all that which affect the agriculture industry and can affect your bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for, uh, for myself and I think for a lot of people from the military community, one of the reasons why we go into the military is to be challenged. So this offers us that. There's never, there's never a boring day around here. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, you, you've done a TED Talk. Uh, you, Karen and I were just talking about that. And 11th and yeah, we did a TED in, Talk in, uh, in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was that, Karen? I think you said 2011. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, the need for young blood in, in agriculture. Um, the, the average age of the farmer, I believe, mm-hmm. is near 60 years old, national um, and uh, there's really nobody or not enough people filling those, those shoes as, as they leave uh, the workforce. So um, there's plenty of opportunity here. Um, and the landscape for the agriculture community looks, looks really good. Um, you know, the demand for agricultural goods continues to grow. Um, and supply is going to be limited. Supply is going to be limited because natural resources are limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will continue to drive up value of agricultural commodities as it's been doing year over year for the last uh, many years, which means if you uh, can get into the business as a small business owner, there's plenty of room to scale and to be successful. Not that it's easy. Again, I can't mm-hmm. explain enough. It's, it's very difficult, but uh, there's a lot of opportunities here, and um, we think the veteran community is uh, uh, a good fit. Um, and they need opportunities. The veteran unemployment rate is way too high, much is for, far above the national average. Um, and you know, one thing that most vets believe in when they, they return home that they're going to be taken care of when we have a VA system and healthcare and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some issues on those lines, but we're not doing a very good job at reintegrating veterans into uh, the private sector. Uh, right. And we think the agricultural community is, is, is one that needs them, and that mm-hmm. naturally just, it's just a good fit. Right. I know you said you found it relaxing, you know, a bit of solitude out in the land with the avocado trees after, you know, being in Iraq. And you'd mentioned something about it, you know, after multiple deployments, you can only imagine with the stress of everything that's going on. You, you yourself commented about you had noticed some personality changes, so I'm sure you... You see that in, in um, your fellow Marines and other branches as well. I mean, I understand it's a stressful environment. And first of all, I want to say thank you for what you do. So, because oh, I, yeah. I grew up in the military, in military family. So, I want to thank yeah. you. Yeah, for what you well, do. Thank you. It, it, it's well, men and women. That. It's men and women like you who are selfless that allow us to have all the freedom we have here. So I want to say thank you. And um, with that, you know, do you think the program that you have simply allows soldiers to decompress, or do you believe that it will actually lead them to careers in farming, you know, once they return home? Yeah, well, that's our intent. Uh, first of all, thanks again for those uh, those kind words. But that's our intent is, uh, you know, again, I think uh, agriculture provides an environment that is naturally decompressive. Our training program in particular that's in, uh, that's in partnership with uh, Cal Poly Pomona, um, mm-hmm. it puts you in an environment that's naturally decompressive, but every day we try to challenge our students. We have a limited time with our students, and we want to 
see as much of them become entrepreneurs or leaders within the agriculture industry. And you can't do that by just kind of going through the day-to-day and, and, uh, and relaxing on the farm. So the farm mm-hmm. is naturally a decompressive environment. But I also think that far too often vets come home mm-hmm. um, after serving their country and we forget to ask them to continue to serve and they lose their purpose. Uh, there was a calling for them in the military um, and then all of a sudden their peer group's gone, that calling's gone, and, and they, they lose focus and lose, uh, they lose a feeling of purpose. And that's one thing we want to give back to them. Uh, America needs entrepreneurs. We need new farmers. Um, we need new leaders within the agricultural industry. Uh, and, and again, I can't say as often we think it's a good fit. So we challenge uh, our students uh, and push them. And we think, uh, although when they're being pushed, they may not see that as, uh, you know, decompressive or therapeutic, if you will, but mm-hmm. by occupying their mind and giving them that new focus, um, I mm-hmm. think it kind of reshifts uh, their drive, if that makes sense. Right. Well, makes sense. So they, re- they take, I guess, inventory of themselves and they find a new purpose and they reintegrate with a new group, right? That's what you're saying. And they can be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and feel like they're serving a duty to the country. Um, they, uh, you know, agriculture is uniquely, um, uniquely entwined with local communities. Everybody eats three times a day, um, and yet, or everybody should eat three times a day. Yet, some people don't have access to that amount of food within the United States. There's food deserts all over the place, mm-hmm. um, and even within certain communities, people don't have access to good food. And then, on every farm created on a job, uh, excuse me, every job created on a farm creates nearly three more jobs uh, in the local community. And when the housing market went bust and we went through the Great Recession, the mm-hmm. agricultural community continued to grow. If you look at agricultural uh, production, agricultural exports, and so forth, a lot of people believe that the agricultural community kind of carried the economy through um, those dark years. You know, the agricultural or the food and fiber industry as a whole is a $3 trillion economy in the United States. So, mm-hmm. um Again, it kind of, I think for, for a lot of us vets, uh, it, this is about much as about patriotism as, um, or almost as serving in the military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're, you're feeding, you know, you're feeding people your heart and soul, you know, you're working the land and it's producing and you're, you're bringing it to the people to their table. So that's truly, like you said, a labor of love. You're serving in another broad spectrum, which is so needed. And you know who, exactly. who thought that the eight hundred and forty nine dollar water bill would actually lead you to such a um, a vision, which is beautiful. And we're gonna get ready to take a quick break. So when we come back, can we pick up on that? Look forward to have all the listeners stay with us. Thank you so much. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenise Hughes. 
Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Deetta Jones and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And join with Karen and Colin Archer Play from Archie's Acres. And I'm going to pick up where we left off, and we were talking about the selfless act and how necessary farming is, and it's truly a labor of love, and it provides for so many in this country. And the work of a, of a veteran returning home is so so needed for purpose and passion, and uh, they tie that all in beautifully. And I know in their TED Talk that was done November 2011, they mentioned something about national security was tied to to food. So I wondered if we could elaborate on that for the listeners. Yeah, well, in our tech talk, we, we, we try to describe, um, you know, obviously uh, national defense is, is an ongoing issue in, in today's climate with terrorism and so forth. And so we try to describe uh, and show globally areas that have lack of access or lack of access to agriculture, you know, areas that aren't producing rural food for whatever reason. You can mm-hmm. overlay that with a map um, that shows the areas where the most mm-hmm. instability occurs. And those maps are virtually the same. Um, in fact, uh, it was um, a farmer's market vendor uh, in Tunisia who could no, no longer buy fruits and vegetables because the price of fruits and vegetables continues to grow. He can no longer buy them and sell them at the, at the farmer's market uh, uh, that he attended, which means he couldn't pay the local uh, politicians their, their weekly bribe or whatever the case may be. And they humiliated him, this little farmer's market vendor, in public. Next day, he went down to uh, the government building and he set himself on fire. And from that, spawned the... Uh, uh, the Arab awakening in Tunisia, which led to the fall of Egypt's uh, empire, their uh, monarchy, uh, mm-hmm. Libya, and so forth. And so, um, and, and the reason why that is, is because agriculture is the basis of any form of economy. If you can grow food, um, whether it be meat or, or, or fruits and veggies, that means you have something to trade. And when you mm-hmm. start trading, 
that means you can also buy things. And when you have that done, more people participate that in that local trading process. That means at some point you're going to be able to hire a teacher for that community. You're going to be able to hire law enforcement for that community. You're going to, have to, you're going to be able to make uh, infrastructure improvements in that community. You're going to be able to put people to work, right? And one of the things we talk about in national security, we would look at places with uh, high levels of threat of terrorism. We talk about how many of the young men are unemployed. Um, and again, those same areas oftentimes either lack an agricultural industry or agricultural community is suppressed because of lack of resources or in a place like Afghanistan, uh, the agriculture industry is controlled in order to grow poppy for the Taliban, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so there's a direct relationship, we believe, between you know, food production and localized security, uh, which leads to national and more global security and ultimately less pressures on our national defense here at home. Mm-hmm. It's, it's eye-opening, actually. It's, like you said, it's global. It's amazing. And, you know, in the middle of the desert, you were looking at, like you said, ways to farm, and you discovered with the avocado trees, hydroponic technology. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that uh, for the listeners and for myself. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're located down here in San Diego. So people think of San Diego when they think of the beach. Same is true mm-hmm. with L.A. You know, we think of L.A. or Southern California. We think of the coastline and... Here in North County, San Diego, it's a very Mediterranean climate with these kind of steep, rolling hills covering orchards and whatnot. What people don't necessarily think of is that Southern California is the desert next to the beach. Um, mm-hmm. Our rainfall is measured in inches per year, you know, so, um, and we don't have, or we have very little local storage of water. So most of the water that we use in Southern California comes from the Colorado River, or from Northern California, which means most of the water we use for farming and San Diego has one of the largest farming economies uh, in the country is it's virtually all imported water. Now, avocados themselves use a very large amount of water. So our challenge was we live in the avocado capital of the world. So there's a ton of avocados around here, uh, which kind of deflates the value of avocados in this area, right? If we were growing mm-hmm, avocados mm-hmm. in New York, that would be great because nobody, nobody can do that, right? But here in San Diego, everybody can grow avocados. So, um, so if you're not big, it's hard to make money on avocados in the local area mm-hmm. due to um, just everybody has them. Then, since we bought the farm, the cost of water has increased by about 100%, due mm-hmm. in part because of the drought California has been facing the last several years but do more in part because these archaic uh, water rights that we have in California, meaning if you live next to uh, a water source, you have basically unlimited rights to that water and you're allowed to sell it down the line and so forth. And, um, and these, these rights have been given to landowners way back and it's really a, uh, it's a system built on inequity. Um, mm-hmm. And it has driven the price for certain landowners like us here in San Diego price of water to extreme high uh, levels that forces growers either a to get out of the business or b to look at other methods of production and that's what we did and we looked at uh, hydroponics which is essentially uh hydroponics is nothing more than an irrigation system that okay. contains both the plant 
and the water and catch and keeps all the water recirculating and in a system. So there are several forms of hydroponics, but if you essentially took a, a, a plant growing in a pot, for example, a form of hydroponics would be if you were to capture that water that drains out of the pot when you water it, uh, put some nutrients in that water to feed the plant and then reuse that water. Um, that's a, you know, a rudimentary description of hydroponics right there. And the outcome is up to 90% less water consumption as well as typically increased yields and less demand for things like pesticides, herbicides, and other inputs. Um, mm-hmm. So ultimately, hydroponics drives down the use of water. Most of the water, most of the water we use in agriculture, which agriculture is the world's largest user of fresh water, uh, but most of the water we use in agriculture is imported, which means we need to use pumps and things like that, which means importing water creates a lot of CO2 and gas emissions, right? So mm-hmm. if we're able to use less water, by definition, we're not only using less fresh water, which is a rare commodity in today's world, but we're also cutting down on CO2 emissions. emissions. And if we could produce more plants per square foot um, using less natural resources, again, plants sequest carbon. So more plants we produce per square foot sequest more carbon. Uh, if we can do that using less resources, again, that means less energy use, means less greenhouse emissions uh, being produced. Um, ultimately, hydroponics just means it's a, a, a very f- efficient form uh, of production and that uh, we're a little bit unique because we team that most hydroponic farmers aren't using certified organic practices. And that's one thing that we kind of developed here at Archie's Acres was the integration of uh, organics into um, mm-hmm. soilless agriculture is what we call hydroorganics um, And it really just means we're extremely efficient with how we use our inputs. Um, And that's a good business decision because that means Mm -hmm. we cut our operating costs while increasing our yields. And we think that's good for the environment as a whole. That's awesome. Because I was going to say, I was going to ask, you do grow organic. And with that being said, how much food do you actually produce on the farm at Archie's Acres? Well, that's a good question. We're, we're a small farm and we have several different crops, so I couldn't give you a total tonnage or anything like that, but, um, you know, we service about two dozen, uh, grocery stores and some farmer's markets. Um, our primary crop is, uh, basil. Um, we have avocados. We grow the avocados, by the way, are, are grown in soil. They're not grown in hydroponics. Um, but we also grow tomatoes, peppers, certain times of the year, um, mm-hmm. and kale and chard typically year round. Nice. And I know, you know, you came back in 2006 and then you started, you formed Archie's Acres. And then I want to ask, how many vets initially were were there when you, you know, began? And where are you now? We started actually working with the Wave Clinic through the VA. Mm-hmm. And we started with approximately eight. We had eight veterans that were with us, you know, off and on. They kind of filtered in and out. There was different people at different times because they were assigned here by their counselors. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until 2010 that the VA came back to us and they said, you're not charging us, so we should be charging you. <laughs> and that is when we changed how we did our training. Um, we actually pulled back. We went into the community college. 
we took our curriculum and solidified it, went to the community college, then we went to the state college, and now we have found home at Cal Poly Pomona. And our little six-week class that mm-hmm. is a full intensive immersion into sustainable organic agriculture is worth 17 academic credits, and we're really proud of that. That's beautiful. And the acronym for it is, um, am I correct, is VSAT, V-S-A-T? It's VSAT, but through Cal Poly Pomona, they call it just SAT, but we know that it's for the Veterans Sustainable Agriculture Training Program. But also, it's open to civilians, so we also have the CSAT. When you sign up online, you'll see the designation. You can choose what it is, Um, but the Civilian Sustainable Agriculture Training, it is open to everyone, and we've had civilians in our class since day one. Um, Our heart and soul is with our transitioning combat veterans because we feel like um, combat doesn't really prepare you for a lot of the employment opportunities (laughs) that are for Mm -hmm. the layperson. But I can tell you it sure does in agriculture because you have to adapt and overcome. You have to Mm -hmm. be able to stick to it no matter how tough it gets. And agriculture is is very challenging, but we find that it is... um, it's a continued mission for them. It's a way to come back and actually serve their communities. Mm-hmm. And we say it's a hand up, not a hand out. It's nice. a wonderful opportunity to, to really connect with your community through good food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, like I said, they form those bonds again. They're you know, integrating again. And that, that must feel really good. So I can understand yeah. that. That's awesome. You know, and, it's... Oh, so, we should point out that roughly 46% of the military community comes from rural areas. Um, and rural areas is most where most of agricultural production is done. So, um, you know, a lot of people leave the farm to join the military, um, but they oftentimes want to go back to the farm, but they typically don't want to go back to uh, a failing farm. And that's where mm-hmm. a lot of um, coming from. There's a lot of struggling farms in America because, They've failed to integrate new production methods or, uh, you know, they don't have the marketing down. You know, the the typical farmer gets into farming because they don't want to necessarily deal with customers. Um, But in today's environment, it's important to build a brand and to market your farm just like you would any other business. And so um, we have a lot of students who are going back to these rural communities and these rural farms, but they want to take away with them things that will make uh, either that farm or a new farm successful. And I think um, mm-hmm. one advantage that we have in starting Archie's Acres, both an advantage and disadvantage, is that we didn't have any background at all in, mm-hmm. in farming or agriculture. Um, it's a disadvantage because it means we, there's a lot of things to learn, right? But it's also an advantage because I think farmers typically, uh, you know, they're, they're taught a certain thing, they're brought up a certain way, and so that's what they do, and they're very slow to adapt, and sometimes they... Uh, continue to utilize practices that are outdated and so forth, and over time, they fall further and further behind. So uh, it was uh, somewhat of a advantage for us to come in with a clean slate, be able to look at the markets a little bit differently, um, and and as well as evaluate various forms of production models and try to evaluate which one's best for us and what we wanted mm-hmm. to do. Well, there's there's obviously a lot to it, and we're getting ready to pause for another quick break so we'll pick this back up in a moment and i hope the listeners stay tuned and we'll pick that up colin and karen okay momentarily thank you 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel alone even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag TheGiftIsTheShift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. We're back with Karen and Colin to play, And we're talking about farming and all that is involved. And it is extensive. And the numbers are staggering. Colin was talking about 46% of veterans from rural America. And, um, you know, when Karen and I were talking early on, I learned what kept them going, what kept them driven to make this work. And I want to start with that, Karen. You want to share with the listeners what was your vision and mission to keep all of this going and successful once he was home after his third tour? Right. Well, when Colin came home, um, we had we were faced with what was he going to do once he left the military. He still had several months to go. Colin and our Grove guy actually built our 30-by-60-foot greenhouse, which was very cool. And we had borrowed against our home to do the first one. But literally, as we set that up, we learned how much money you can make in agriculture. And for that small greenhouse, it nearly matched what Colin was making as a sergeant in the Marine Corps. And that's when we realized that we were really onto something that could be sustainable for us. But mm-hmm. when it came to Colin's EAS, which is when he gets out of the military, um, so many of the people Colin had served with were re-enlisting, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because they felt like they couldn't find gainful employment, employment that would pay them like they earned in the Marine Corps or the military period. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we actually created our program, which is the VSAP program. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, you had a, a heartfelt message and, and mission to keep, you know, to do what you were doing. You know, you wanted to really make this work. I know you shared well, that with I, I know that after three tours in Iraq, um, for my husband to go back was not a good thing for me. 
period. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I get the addiction to adrenaline. I get the connection with this fellow military and that that wasn't dissing me. It's a culture where they really are there for each other. But we were fortunate in that we could put our heads together and came up with a way that Colin could continue to serve, but from home. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really created our, our program. Right. So that, but the that barriers kept to entry are financial often. Right, right. And like I said, truly a labor of love because it allowed him to stay home, which is such a blessing. And, you know, we were talking earlier about farming and it can be expensive. And the startup costs, that must have been overwhelming and such a big challenge. And you just kept your vision and mission. I wanted to ask it about was, that. And it is. Um, I would tell you today we were able to take our challenges and incorporate it into our our training, and we work very closely with the Farm Service Agency, who has the most amazing opportunities for anyone that's choosing to get into agriculture. Um, our students that come through this class, they consider this a year of farm ownership, which means what that means for them is that provided they have at least a decent credit score, um, because it is federal, they can borrow up to 300000 at rates like 1.18% fixed to build their greenhouse. And for us, you know, at that time, we did not have that. It wasn't as as far advanced as it is today. And we mm-hmm. work really closely with the Farm Service Agency, and they're very responsive and very into making sure that our military has what they need. Nice. And we appreciate that. And I know, you know, we have the GI Bill here, which is great. It enables vets to go to school and receive job training. Uh, but is there anything available for farming to, to vets and to non-military who want to get involved? Well, uh, there's there's a few options now, yeah. I mean, uh, our program's one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Service members can use uh, both their GI Bill. If they're on active duty, they can actually get orders to come train with us and use uh, what they had called tuition assistance, which is for active duty service members. Um, we've been legislating for, for many years and with the help of uh, many people in Washington, um, we were able to get approved the use of the GI Bill for the purchase of uh, farm um, land with homes on it, um, which banks weren't allowing before. Turns out that um, they are required by law to allow it if the farm, such a farmer can show income and it has a house. Farm uh, banks weren't honoring that because it was hard to sell on the secondary market, but it'd be um, what we mm-hmm. found in discovery was that, in fact, they can use their VA home loan to, to purchase a farm with a home on it, um, and mm-hmm. the bank the banks can't deny them for that simply because they can't resell that mortgage in the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's other programs out there uh, similar to ours or that various uh, differences and, and, and so forth. Um, so, you know, I think there, there's not a ton of resources for vets and ag. And I'd have to say, the USDA has done some pretty incredible stuff to reach out to vets as well. Um, you know, just the other week, we did an uh, online seminar discussion with the Undersecretary of Ag in, re- in regards to uh, vets and agriculture. The USDA signed a, a memorandum of understanding with the Special Operations Command to assist uh, special operators uh, in, in regards to 
agricultural land grant universities and, and outreach to their families and so forth. Um, and we've been working very hard on getting agriculture seen as a career path for transitioning service members. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that's one thing that Karen has really been urging and, and driving for. And, um, and that is the case today. So uh, we made some headway in the last several years about opening up this idea about uh, transitioning vets into agriculture as well as vets and entrepreneur opportunities as a whole, which by many commands is kind of shunned upon. Um, there are a lot of commanders out there who thought that, hey, our guys just need to go get jobs. Who cares what else? They just need to go get jobs. Well, the reality of it is vets have a much higher rate of starting uh, businesses than, than non-veterans. Um, mm-hmm. And so why not own that? Why not be proud of that? Why not push that? Yeah, there's going to be some that fail, and we need backup plans for those that do. But mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurs and vets go hand in hand, and agriculture is a great place, entrepreneur opportunities now. Um, and so opportunities for vets and agriculture continue to grow. Like you're saying, the challenge with agriculture is it is capital intensive. Um mm-hmm. And there's, there's no real way around that. There is some innovative financing programs from the Farm Service Agency um, and, and other opportunities out there. But it, that, that continues to be a challenge, and uh, that's where the opportunity is. So if you can, nice. uh, anytime for an entrepreneur, there's a challenge in front of them, that's where they, they find the opportunity. I wanted to ask, um, in, in line with what you're saying, Colin, what, what advice do you have for others who may want to turn their passion into a business, much like yourself. You have any, any imparting words of yeah, wisdom well, that you've learned? Um, you know, for one, uh, you can't wait for anybody else to tell you it's the right time to do it. Or, um, you know, I think, I think of Steve Jobs. You know, this movie just came out about Steve Jobs, and you, you watch the previews, and it doesn't have, it doesn't show Steve Jobs in the best light, right? It seems to kind of, in, in, in the, uh, the, the commercials about this movie, it kind of seems that he's kind of controversial and doesn't seem like a nice guy. But the reality of it is Steve Jobs could dream and he could dream about things that other people couldn't, right? And that's what made it innovative mm-hmm. and, a, a, and a visionary was he was dreaming about things that other people couldn't. And it made it hard for people to follow him down a road that they didn't know they were going down because they didn't know these items of Apple and stuff could exist. Um, and that's what an entrepreneur does. He sees that he or she sees a vision that nobody else can see um, and they, they, they go after it and they don't let anybody put a wall in front of them. And, and that's what I would tell anybody. Uh, right. You don't have to be rich to become an entrepreneur and you will fail. You know, mm-hmm. that is just part of it. Um, and it's not about if you're going to fail, it's about how you're going to pick yourself up when you do fail. Expect okay. to fail many times before you become successful. That, that's rich, actually. That, that's worth a lot. That is, that's valuable. And um, would you like to share, either one of you or both of you, about any the success stories that have come from Archie's Acres? Well, I, I could jump in real quick. So I've, been, I've been speaking with uh, Jason Smith, who was, uh, was a Marine, served in Iraq, and um, he came through our program, I, I believe, about two years ago. He lives in Alaska, and he went back. Um, he finished up his MBA program, and he got connected with a group of investors, and he's, he's just started growing in his indoor farm in Alaska just this last couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting. Um, exciting. Karen keeps attracting much more of the graduates. So she keeps telling a lot more stories. But we've had nearly 400 graduates come through the program. 
Um, and the number of farms that have been launched are, are, are there's too many to count. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. I can tell you yes. that we actually reached out. We, we did a sampling where we actually called 100 students. And I was so pleased to find out how many were actually in agriculture. It really just made us feel great. And I stay in touch with a lot of our students through our website, which is really interactive as well as Facebook. And so many have gone right from this program to launch their business. Uh, Gregory Lefebvre, he's actually in Fredericks, Maryland, built his farm. And at the end of his build, found out he had a problem with code for his electricity. That guy did not miss a beat. Where I was willing to help him fight for his permit to have his ag electricity, he actually found another property with his farm service agency loan officer and moved his farm without missing a beat. That is the demographic we're working with. Mm-hmm. It's people that just don't give up. Julie Lobby is in Alabama built her greenhouse, uh, literally is just now about to be married again. We're very happy for her. And she had, had built something that her sons could move into eventually, and she went out and got a job as a real estate agent so that she could make sure she had what she needed for her home while she established her farm business and hired a farm manager. And that's not going to be the case for everyone, but I'm really proud. I, I feel like... Mm-hmm. The people we get to work with are absolutely amazing. Right. Yeah, you, you almost feel like you've watched them, you know, step into their new life. They've, you know, in a way you've helped birth yeah. them, right, into their, into their new being, new way of being. It's awesome. It's truly well, a gift. Well, we have the honor of being part of their lives in the most um, special way, and it, it's a really an honor. They do mm-hmm. the work, and so well, I don't want to ever take credit for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And one of the things you try to do with the program is, is if you don't, it's not just about coming here to train for, for six weeks. It's about uh, building a network of both fellow uh, vets and other students as well as um, exposing them to a network of resources. So when you leave the program, they have us to reach back to. We have what we call a career, uh, a career uh, manager on staff who follows the students um, after they leave the program to connect them to various resources. We have a newsletter that goes out to our alumni, uh, various job opportunities, discount programs, and so forth. We continue to build out our discount program with vendors and, and those relationships. Um, we have great relationships with buyers like Whole Foods and ProAct and many others. Um, and, and that network is, is as much as important as the training or mm-hmm. just growing product itself. Right, right. And they, they know they have a network that's behind them, so that, that's valuable and really exactly. support system. That's, in, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And looks like we're coming up on a quick break. So I'm going to ask that you um, hope the listeners stay tuned, and we'll be back in a moment. Thank you so much. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with D. Lee. 
She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own mighty gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to Show at gmail.com. That's TheSky'sTheLimitShow at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag TheGiftIsTheShift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. We're back. I'm happy to be joined with Karen and Colin Archiplay from Archie's Acres and the work that they're doing, the labor of love, what they've created is incredible. This program for veterans and non-veterans, for everyday people, is incredible. And... Um, I've actually received an award at the White House in, was it August 2014? And um, I want to elaborate on that for the listeners because it's beautiful. It's called Champions of Change. It was actually Champions of Change for Veteran Entrepreneurship, which was such an honor. And the best part of that is that we were actually nominated for that by one of our VSAT alumni, which was just really very cool. But also in 2013, we actually planted the First Lady's Garden, and that was an honor. Um, And although that was just a really neat experience, our favorite part of that trip was we actually got to meet with the rule advisor at that time was Doug McCaleb, the rule advisor to President Obama. And Doug McCaleb is the one that actually carried our charge of being able to use your VA home loan to buy a farm. And that meant a lot to us. We got that done within a year. And so that was huge. Mm-hmm. So the White House has been an amazing, amazing champion for us and for, for veterans transitioning into organic ag. Nice. That's beautiful. And then, you know, you're in San Diego. So has your program grown? Is it, I mean, I know you've grown in San Diego, but has it taken off in other parts of the country? I'll let Come on. Some we're working on. Uh, Students come from us from all over the country because we're in San Diego. You know, it's a, it's a military hub down here. Both the Navy and Marine Corps have a large mm-hmm. presence. So we have a lot of our students are coming to train with us on their way from the active duty station here in San Diego back to wherever they, they want to call home. But mm-hmm. more and more we have students coming from all over uh, the United States um, to come take the program we're seeing some interest internationally as well. But this next year, we hope to launch an online program um, so students can, from anywhere, can take the program. Um, it will be in conjunction with local farms so they can get a certain amount of lab hours and so forth. Mm-hmm. So 
the program has continued to grow. We also currently, this, this is the first year that we offered a nights and weekends class that's a, uh, a 12-week program as opposed to the initial six-week program that's mm-hmm. uh, six weeks, roughly 40 hours per week. Um, and so, the, you know, the challenge is, is that we, we, when students want to come through our training program, we have certain expectations because we want our standards for our students uh, to be held at a certain level. And as you uh, grow the program, whether it be creating additional sites or whatever the case may be, that we feel there's a threat to lose that integrity and that standard. And so we're, we're, we keep it very close to ensure that um, we're offering the best training packages available. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're, you know, our philosophy in, in those regards is slow and smooth and smooth as fast. Okay, I get that. Yeah, and then, you know, integrity is everything, right? And especially in the military, your word is everything. When you say you're going to do... Especially in the military, and, you know, and the same is true within farming, especially the organic community. I mean, organic farmers, you know, we go through inspections and and so forth. At the end of the day, uh, whether a farmer is organic or not really depends on the integrity of the farmer. Like you're saying, integrity is is a huge cornerstone of military training and leadership. Um, but when you're feeding people food, they're putting a lot of trust in you. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think our students take that, uh, they don't take that trust lightly. Right. Right. No, you're, you're, you're with them. You're right there with the family. So that's, that's right up close and personal, isn't it? And, um, yeah, you you touch lightly. Yeah. You touch lightly. So future plans, goals for Archie's Acres, where do you see yourself? I know you mentioned going, you know, on the internet and, being accessible that way, but any other plans, goals? Yeah, so with the, the training program in partnership with Cal Poly, we, we hope to launch an online platform starting next year, so we'll have the six-week day class, which is called a full immersion training, because it's roughly 40-plus hours per week here in San Diego. We'll offer that, as well as a 12-week nights and weekends program that will be located here in San Diego, and then the bringing on board the online platform, which we hope students can take uh, no matter where they're at. Um, so that's what we're looking for in terms of growth on the training program. On the Archie's Acres side, and I say that because we really have more or less two businesses here. We have the training program in partnership with Cal Poly, and then we have Archie's Acres, which is uh, uh, you know our our farm scalable farm model. And that's exactly what we plan on doing this next year is is scaling that farm model. We plan on building that, building out um, about six times our, our current greenhouse capacity. So we're scaling quite a bit. And then within the next few years, we want to basically take our farming model that we've had success here in San Diego uh, and bring that to other communities. So uh, our farming model is different in that most farmers grow where they're located and they have Mm -hmm. a centralized distribution model. Um, We want to grow where our consumers are located. So we want to decentralize our production model, build smaller farms closer to the consumer, so when you're buying your product, let's say, in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, you knew it was grown, grown in Des Moines, Iowa. It has one brand, Archie's Acres, uh, that hopefully people trust, and they know it was grown in that community and created jobs there and so forth. And so uh, that's our vision with Archie's Acres and, and mm-hmm. be this kind of veteran-led organization that hires local people from various communities and, and provides local foods under one strong trusted brand that's it's, it really is it's beautiful i keep saying that but it really is and 
So you, how do you use social media to promote the mission? I mean, you talked a little bit about the, you know, the educational, for, you know, the, the program, the business, the mission. Where are you on social media? How can the listeners reach you? Yeah, well, uh, of course, Facebook, you can look up Archie's Acres. Um, you can also go to our, our website where we have a, a social media platform. You can create a, a profile there and be in tune with the various events that Archie's Acres is having and so forth. Um, and so that's great. Um, you can find us on Twitter as well, at Archie's Acres or Archie's Acres VSAT on Twitter, um, as well as LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, Social, we're still learning how to, to utilize and, and reach our customer base. But as we um, build out our Facebook page and stuff like that, we're getting more and more followers. And, and it's one of the reasons why we developed the online platform, because we realized through our social platforms that there's a lot of people hungry for this. There's mm-hmm. some organizations that are trying to do it. But I just think that, um, you know, whether it's because we're, an organization um, that was built by, uh, you know, veterans or, or whatever the case may be. I just think that we're, um, I think we're the best at what we do. And I think there's a lot of people eager uh, to come train with us. And we want to be able to, to provide that beyond just those who mm-hmm. uh, can make it to here in San Diego. And so, um, and that's what we're trying to use our, our online platforms for. But yeah, find us on Facebook, Archie's Acres. Come check out our website, archiesacres.com. Join the website, become a member. Um, Archie's Acres VSAT on Twitter. And my wife's pointing out that there's no E in Archie. So Archie is sort yeah. of Archer Play. So it's A-R-C-H-I-S, Acres. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you Google us, it'll be easier to look us up that way. Sure. And looks like we're coming to a close. I always like to ask if there's one takeaway from today's conversation that you would like to share with the listeners. From our, you know, from our conversation. I would, I would just like to say that it doesn't matter where you are or what you've gone through or what you might be going through. If, you're, if you really enjoy agriculture, if you grow, enjoy growing food, it's an opportunity. America has less than 1% of farmers left. We need to turn that around. For us, I would say our mission is to reinvigorate the family farm throughout America, and you can be part of it. Nice. That's... That's beautiful. It really is. It's been an honor. We're coming to a close, so I want to thank both of you for your time and sharing your heartfelt message and mission. So thank you to both Karen and Colin Archplay and to the listeners, and I hope that you'll tune in next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift.